Welcome back to Season 7 of Sunday Night Teacher Talk. This show is a live Q&A show that happens every Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for one purpose, to help you be the teacher that you're called to be, the teacher that you always dreamed of being. We recognize that Sundays can be the most stressful day of the week in the education world, so we gather as a community to prepare together for the upcoming week. Enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Sunday Night Teacher Talk. And we are, uh, we're, we're a little bit more together. It actually looks better than when we... It does. It looks great on there. It. So we've been, uh, we have been prepping this room. So in this week's video, you'll be able to see, like, some of the done studio in here. And this took an incredible amount. It's, things take an <laughs> amount of time that you, you all know. It's like when you wrap a Christmas present, and your kids are just like, they just open it up. Like it wasn't, it didn't take you five minutes to curl the bow and to do all, well, I don't do any of that stuff, but I know she makes it look perfect. So um, I'm excited to show you this week about this stuff. So while I'm talking, I just want to tell people on the front end, is that a noise that came out there? Is there a random kid outside? Oh, we don't have random kids in our neighborhood, but we do have random dogs now. And that was scary yesterday but i won't let my add take me there um if you have a question about anything about school life it's all connected so drop it in the chat you can do it anonymously if you want just put q in there or question so we know when we see it popping up but i wanted to um but as we get into that my buddy cho so cho was uh, my best friend at work for years and I used to drive her crazy all the time. She was always mad and we have a saying in our house where if you are, if you stare at someone, like give them like the dead face look that like, this is like the, how Cho would look at me all the time if I was doing something dumb. So we say, did you show some, like you're showing someone if you do that because it is just like your deadpan staring at them because yeah. that's what Cho does all the time. So she sent me she is in South Korea on, she's on a worldwide tour right now. And so she is in South Korea and she sent me uh, something on Instagram. It says, I have never seen two calm work besties. One of them is always mad about something. And then this is the picture I sent back to her, <laughs> um, which is a picture. I don't know if I can even show this because of my situation here, but uh, this is my, one of my favorite pictures of she and I, where I am wearing sleeveless shirt in the hallway. And uh, you might be asking yourself why. Because wearing shirts with sleeves under sweaters makes no sense. It just gets hot and it just gets all bunched up. So cut your sleeves off and then put your sweater on and just do it with old shirts that you don't like anymore or getting faded or whatever. They become an under the sweater shirt. Brilliant. That's enough. That's that's enough knowledge for the day. I could just leave it at that. I don't but think uh, so. all right, are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Cool. I'm ready. All right. Uh, our first person up is Anastasia, um, or Anastasia. I think the second one was right. Oh, okay. It sounds prettier. Yeah. All right. Anastasia is asking. What if it was the first one? You just, like. Uh, well, I don't even do that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. Go ahead. Uh, okay. Uh, hi. I'm a parent of an eight-year-old. This year, he has a new classmate aggressive to my son. I want to do something to help the kids to have normal relationships. What kind of help can I offer to the teacher? Um, so I think first it's asking, ask the teacher, what, what can I do to, to help in this situation? Uh, because what it does is I, I think as a, so as a parent and an educator and as a parent who's dealt with bullying with uh, one of my children, it's, I think it's honoring the teacher's position a bit. And I want to be careful how much I lean into that honoring because it's your kid, right? Like, I don't want anyone to mess with my kid. So, and I don't want to wait for, for something to get better. But it's going in and asking, saying, this is what I, I'm hearing. What can we do about this? I really think that sometimes there are things that happen that children see that adults don't. They might just think the kids were messing around. They were just playing. It wasn't a big deal. And so seeing if there's anything there like that, like asking, letting the teacher know 
that it's bothering your child on such a deep level. And I've had great success with that. Like my wife and I going to IEP meetings and they go, well, Brody's so nice. He's so, he's so kind. And then you hold up, you like show them or tell them what Brody's been saying. And they go, Oh really? Yeah. Because we taught Brody to be nice and kind. And so, but he overdoes it sometimes and it's really nice and really kind of won't tell you what's going on. Won't tell you that someone's following him home from school or any, something like that. So, um, <clears throat> cause he doesn't want to worry you. He doesn't want to bother you with it. Sometimes it's letting them know, then asking what could be helpful. And then I would say things that would be helpful are, uh, I would see if, if there's, I mean, depends on what kind of school, what kind of, like how big your school is and if you even have access to this information, but I would contact the parent of the, of the child and just say like, Hey, look, there's something going on between our kids. I want to make sure that's squashed. And I thought maybe we could like meet, talk, and that might give you some information too about what's going on with that other kid. Not saying that that makes it okay, not in the least, but it allows you some knowledge to go off of. It also allows you to see if that parent is someone you could work with or someone that it's like, oh, all right, you know, striped cats make striped kittens. So I think some combination of that. And then look, I'm talking about seeing results immediately when you do these things. So if you go in and talk to a teacher and they don't seem willing to help, it's moving up the chain, right? I'd go to the principal. I'd, I would tell every single person I have to tell to make sure my kid's okay without making it. I also don't want to make it weird. For my kid, like I don't want to be like every time someone sees them, like oh my gosh, here's you know, their mom's crazy pants. So it's kind of balancing some of those things. I'm wondering because you handle things much differently than I do. Sometimes, is there a way that you would handle that differently um, with regards to bullying and stuff like that? Um. So bullying is a, like. It's very, that's a different type of word. And she didn't use that word in here. Um, said aggressive. So right. I think that I would just start out. I, well, First of all, that's even great that you just noted that. Because I didn't, I immediately went to, that means bullying. But I assume. Yeah, because I actually had a scenario with Brody in a class. He had somebody who was teasing him and it was off-putting to Brody in how he was receiving the information and I addressed it to the school and I got, uh, someone was very hot, uh, an admin back at me and was like, accused me of saying that like my son was being bullied in the class. And I said, well, wait a minute. I said, I didn't say that they were being bullied. I said that they were um, like being aggressive with my child in the classroom. I said, and that's a different thing. I said, I'm not claiming bullying, but um, it still needed to ha to be something needed to happen. Um, so I think it's talking with the, the classroom teacher first and um, noting what's being told to you at home and then discussing like, do you see any of this interaction yeah. in the classroom? And what's the first step that we can do? A small step. Can we separate their seats? Can they not be in groups together? Can we keep them kind of like give a little distance. Take away the between, space for it to happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I would start there and see how that, and then keep in communication with your son of like, how is that working? This is what we're doing. Like, it's all about being very clear and upfront. I don't ever believe in like hiding anything from children on, on how you're helping or what you're doing. I think it's talking to them at the level at which they are and which they can understand. It helps build social and emotional, like, knowledge for them for what's happening in the classroom and all that sort of stuff so uh, that's how I, I would start and then i think you just go from there as like however that gets handled and yeah. what's needed that's my parental advice yeah, yeah, i think that was awesome <laughs> thank you i approve uh great all right let's move on sharon, um sharon murphy uh is up next asking how do you deal with seniors who have senioritis in october <laughs> I've had these kids for two, three, or even four years, and they don't want to do anything but want the A. Hmm. Um, Already so early. Gosh. I think there's, there's a handful of things that can be done here. One, it's not given the A. 
many students that I've worked with have either given up because they got SATs are done. They are already, some of them are already taking college classes. Some of them are, um, they're just waiting their time out because they already got into college. And other kids have given up on school that they are going to go into the workforce. They're going to go into the military and they don't deem what we're doing right now as having any, as factoring into what they're going to do in the future at all. So it's how do we make that connection for young people to help them understand that what we are doing right now is in fact important, no matter where you're going in the future. So some of that conversation for me is has to start with myself. Is there value in what I'm teaching? And if I don't see the immediate value, how can I make there be value? How can, how can I bring it in? How can I figure out that diagramming sentences or writing an essay or, um, you know, like doing a journal entry or doing algebra or learning biology is actually important? I, what I want to do is more now more than ever, because I need this, I, because having kids unhinged and checked out, it, it really does hurt them, right? It's not even like a, why do you even have to be there as a teacher? Like, there's some of that, right? It makes you feel like, what am I even here for? Like, give me someone that wants to learn or even I have the opportunity to, to connect with. This calls upon all your teacher powers to connect with students to learn what they want to go into, to try and figure out the connection point. So a lot of my guys, like, right, I'll have kids that have football scholarships, and they're going to go to some school where they're in a, I don't know, even like a D3 school, and they just think, like, I'm going to the league after this. I don't need, I need to learn what you're doing. And to me, as someone who started wandering into the world of entrepreneurship several years ago, it's like, no, you need to know contracts. You need to be able to, become a lifelong learner that someone in the league, I forget what the average year in the NFL is or average career, but it's really pretty short. So what are you doing with the rest of your life? Right? Like look at folks like Shaq who got a million dollar signing bonus and blew on one day and then had to wait for his check to come in. I was just watching the new, uh, David Beckham, uh, uh, documentary on, on docuseries on Netflix. And they were talking about how he would get paid 50,000 pounds from some company to work for them. And that money was gone like the next day. He would go buy a car for that much money or go clothes shopping or whatever. So it's learning how, like it's finding the connection point, right? Like writing an essay isn't just writing an essay. A lot of times it has to do with, especially if it's, an, if it's a personal narrative, you are so if it's a personal narrative, you're looking for voice. How can you explain yourself so people understand? If you're in a contract negotiation, if you want to raise, if you're working at Home Depot and you want to raise, you have to be able to go in there and confidently convey to someone who you are, what your worth is, and what you want. And if you can't do that, then you're, you're going to not make as much money. It's looking at those aspects, looking at those pieces. And I think that that's going to be something that really helps kids connect. It's the, I think the other piece is like, it's this, how you do everything. Anything is how you do everything. It's um, looking at, gosh, it's, so I think that's, that's where I would start. The other thing is it's recognizing that kids have been doing largely the same school model for ages, right? For at least four years for them. It's the showing up at the same time. It's going to the same sorts of classes. It's doing the same kinds of work. It's all kind of the same thing. But if they don't sharpen that ax, this is why kids do so poorly with their freshman year of college. Some of it is freedom, right? Like that's obvious. But it's not having, it's not, your skills aren't there. So then you're going to go through a whole year where you're not really going to do anything. And then you're going to get to a summer where you have a couple months, maybe a freshman orientation, but like your skills aren't going to be there. 
so that's part of it as well. Um, but it's it's I think it's really connecting the dots for kids as to why this is important. But above all else, I'm telling you, I don't care if an administrator came in my room. I've been told to pass seniors. I've been told to bump grades to input grades that kids didn't get because they already got into this college and I'm, I, I am going to ruin their future by giving them zeros when they didn't do anything. So if they didn't do anything, I should just not put anything in, right? This, this is some of the language I've been told before, which means a kid could get a 90 on something or a hundred, say they got a hundred on a do now to ask you what your name and birthday was at the beginning of the school year. So I could give you a card. And then I gave them a hundred for that. And now they get, blanks for the rest of the year means you got a hundred in my class. I'm just not doing it. So I think this is a really good life lesson for kids to learn that not only am I not doing it, I don't take late work. So y'all that are just sitting here for weeks on end, not doing work, there's no making that up, right? Like you can't, you can't go back and work hours at work that you missed already. No amount of overtime is going to catch you up. So it's helping kids learn that too. But I, so what I would do is if you have to, even though they're seniors, do trackers. Do a student tracker that every week they have to write down what their grade is. I communicate to home like crazy, communicate to teachers that they care about like crazy and let them know, look, my man Ron is in class. I don't know who names her kid Ron anymore, but um, I have a buddy named Ron, and that's what why it came to my head. Um, seriously, I haven't had a kid named Ron. It's up there with Fred. Like, I haven't had a kid named Fred. Anyway, that's a D moment. They... It's connecting. It, it is putting it out there because you're not acting like you're grown. You want to be grown. You think you're acting grown. You're not acting grown. You're acting like a child. So I need to contact home to make sure that you're on point because your future future you cares too much about this. Future you will thank me for doing this. Young you isn't thanking me for anything. Ooh, I love that point. You think you're acting grown, right? Yeah. That and that is so true. It's like you think that you're acting like an adult, but this isn't how an adult acts. And Don't pointing that, no holding a mirror up to that can be just enough that, I think. That's yeah. a that's a. But then you got to hold to that. And that's a hard thing. Yeah. Oh, that's absolutely. the courage part. Absolutely. It's difficult. Um, all right. Nassim is up next awesome. asking, how has your, transi- your transition been? Um, we go to get tired every night. <laughs> uh, it is every day from the moment we wake up. So it's like get up pray and then after that it's game on all day so try to find the spot there's no afternoon things. we're not sitting down watching a uh, five minute youtube video at lunch it, it's like you eat something to keep going and but it's so i didn't realize, I'll say about that. Honestly, that i didn't realize how man moving is like it's a lot and then setting up everybody's rooms like i don't know i just didn't think about it like yeah. And you don't know until you do something, right? And we've never moved with a whole family and living yeah. 16 years in our house and then moving. So the whole thing, even cleaning out and preparing and packing for our, like, of 16 years of life was like, whoa, we got a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, and then all your school stuff and then business stuff and then homeschooling. Like, it was, yeah. Yeah, it was a lot. And, and there's so no it's vacation been a lot to even after set it, up. Right? Like, there's no vacation. Like no, now we're set up routine and work and it's and like, schedules. get to work, get stuff done. Um, I've had to push so much stuff back. We had this hope of doing a bunch of workshops in September. Everything got pushed back because yeah. of the move. And then it's all these, the last thing I'll say is it's all these little things, right? That you, like we had the water here in New Mexico has a heavy dose of calcium where we are. And like you heat up water and there's some floating stuff in the top of it so you got to go get another water filter for under your sink like it's like that's another thing it's it's a lot of like well, you don't, little stuff like you that you don't realize what you also what worked in your previous house yeah. doesn't work for this house like it's just it's been a good transition but a lot of learning and unexpectedness yeah. of like oh oh yeah all right this is just yeah what moving entails but i will um, say but it's been really good overall we love being it. here here we feel at peace here it's been so nice to have my family here and like lots of pop-ins and we love that part too and the house is just wonderful because the if you've never seen our other house it was very the kitchen was closed off it's a row home right so it was like small and skinny and and long yeah this is 
big and wide and open. So it's just been really, really fun also. Even so, on days okay. when I am exhausted, I am utterly thankful to be here. Like I was just sitting on the couch this morning, like when we were having coffee and I just was looking around and I'm like, this is so great. Yeah. Like I, I can't believe I get to live here. Like this is yeah. awesome. So the that's been all. Yeah. Um, all right, Nassim is up next. I'm not sure that I understand this question. Maybe yeah. you will. Uh, do you plan on offering scholarships for students? So, in regards to what? I'm not sure. Uh, like workshops. And stuff. Well, so workshops. Can I talk about price point for that? Yeah, go ahead. So, workshops cost a lot to do. There's every single aspect from the building to the streaming to the equipment to the online virtual equipment to the ability to like have a landing page and where it gets and payments and all this stuff it costs it costs us a lot of money it's to not a financial on. setup so we are head, we are we are betting we're making this we're making this bet this time we have a number of workshops that we're looking to put out in the next couple of months um with a price point that is in way lower than we've ever done before. So our price point for upcoming workshops for like the like the bargain basement price, like you get to get in, um, you can rewatch for 30 days, 60 days, whatever it's gonna be. Uh, and you get to go to, to the, you get to experience the whole thing, right? Is $39, is like the lowest we can do it where we figured like if we even get like a like a decent number of people, this pays for itself. Now, of course, like we need to make a living too, right? This is like what I'm doing for a living now. So, um, but it's not, that's our teacher price that we're thinking of. That's like when I first started teaching and I was making so little money, but I really had this problem and I wish someone had done a deep dive on this. What could I afford? And that was kind of like the number that we, that we settled on. So, I hope I'm not going to tell you when, but they're coming out <laughs> soon. Uh, I just got my office together yesterday, so that means I can start getting things like regular videos Tuesdays and Thursdays. Also, we have terrible internet right now too, which is difficult because I tried to upload a video last Tuesday five times. It took three and a half hours. And we had to go somewhere else. To I had to go it. somewhere else to do it in two minutes. So, but new internet's coming. All that's coming. Yeah. But we definitely want to make a price point that is more applicable to teachers because we get that yes. teachers. Like we remember like what it was like when you first started and what it was like even just trying to be head of household on a teacher salary. It's tough. Yeah, yeah. It's which tough. is uh, one of my mentors says what you run into in those situations is that there's more month left at the end of the month. And mm -hmm. that's that's difficult. All right. Uh, Mallory is up next asking, hello, I'm a college student majoring in uh, secondary social studies education any advice on picking a school for student teaching also just the nervousness that comes with student teaching so mallory this is an awesome question because one you're being really proactive in it i think that that's an awesome thing uh it's it's a couple of things right no school is going to be perfect but what when you're doing like classroom observations or if you did a practicum what school felt like when you look around like could i and literally sit with that for a minute, right? Like when you're not observing a class, like just taking a walk around, going to maybe some games, going to a play. Can I see myself being a part of this place? And I had two schools that at that time were, it was like, it was kids coming from a place where it was like, so like Winslow Township High School in New Jersey was one of my places. It was a good mix of kids that were like affluent, a good mix of kids that were like kind of living on the margins. Um, there was a lot of diversity in the school. There was a lot of opportunity in the school. There were, I saw a number of teachers that were really fantastic. Now, of course, every school is going to have the opposite of that too, right? They're going to have like teachers that are kind of busted, that don't really want to do the work anymore, that are waiting out there their, till their retirement. There's a lack of opportunity. There's like, cause there was opportunity, but there wasn't like every single thing's available. There was 
student interest, but not every single kid was bought into every single thing that was happening. So, but you're looking for, could I be here? And could I add something? What is my value add to this school? So it's really thinking about things like that. And when you're in student teaching, this is a really good time to think about that as well. Can I see myself being here? And what would I bring to this school that doesn't just make it better, right? Like, like I don't, it's sometimes hard to think how like we could make something better, but could I add value? Could I sprinkle some magic on some things in this, in this school? That's what I would be thinking about. Um, and with regards to where does student teach, it's like, I would go, the thing that made the biggest decision for me was who I got to student teach with. So there weren't any numbers of teachers at the school that I was at that I wouldn't, I wouldn't have picked. But the person that, that at, they actually did my practicum there and then they called my college and asked if I could student teach there. And I did. And they even told me before I came in, I want you to have the best student teaching experience anyone's ever had. Like, that's a, that's a great opening line. I want to student teach with someone that loves what they're doing, that loves the students, that isn't pessimistic, that doesn't come to school mad and dejected. And look, and that's a tall order right now because schools, education is difficult and people are feeling burnt out. Can I find someone that has figured out how to show up with a smile? how to show up feeling balanced, how to not let the work overwhelm them to such a degree that, and I'm not saying at all, right? Like that's, everybody has difficult days, but it's, I would look for the who rather than just the where of where I am, because that's the person you're going to be in constant contact with. That's the classroom you're going to be in all, all the time. Those, that's the person that's showing you how they do what they do. So it's um, not worrying about so much, where, because I didn't, I didn't even end up teaching at a school like the one I student taught at. I taught at, I ended up in Camden, New Jersey, which at the time was voted the poorest and most dangerous city to live in in America. And so the, that is where I ended up, which is a far cry from where I came from. But it's, um, but I'm so glad I had the experience to teach with the person that I was looking for. And look, let me just remind you this real quick, Mallory. That, and I say this all the time. So people that are on here all the time hear me say this all the time. But the feeling of excitement, the feeling of nerves is, is the same. And so remembering that you have something to bring and getting excited about thinking there is a child who was born at the right day and time and in the right place of the world that is going to put them in that class with you. And don't think that that was an accident for a second. That knowing that this is like a destiny meeting um, with maybe a group of children, right? And so they get, you get the honor of like having them in your class and note when that happens, remember that I said this because you're going to go, yes, because Jessica was in my class and it made all the difference or Tom was in my class and it was awesome. Ron wasn't in your class because no one names their kid Ron anymore. And I'm just going to make that joke for the last time, but um, it's, it's, thinking of that as you're moving forward because that will bring you the excitement that you need to kind of like really thrive in this, in this next season. So good luck. Oh, sorry. I was busy reading comments. You were reading comments. Now I'm going to sing song. Oh no, we got one. Claude. Claudina? Claudina? I don't we're know. We're batting a thousand on the names today. I'm really terrible. I'm the worst. I'm the, we're going to say it again. If you have a lot of vowels in your name, the dyslexics really struggle with it. So uh, that's what we blame. Vows are not our, our strong suit over here. Okay. Um, she's asking, what is your suggestion for a classroom where there is a merge of, uh, with a different age at the end of the day? So one, uh, that's a terrible idea. Whoever put that class together is really, they're like, let's see what, let's see what they can do with this. Maybe they had to for schedule. Maybe, but I, I don't care about that ever. Like, I'm just like, do a better job. Like, figure it out, man. Um, That's a better answer. Because, it, because it's not just hard for me. It makes it hard for kids. And I think sometimes when there's too much of an overlap, I once had one of my history hip-hop classes at the end of the day, and it went uh, freshmen through seniors. It's too much. It's too many kids that are, that are 
there's different types of conversations that are happening. Um, so I would say it's noting, it's one, noting the fact, like, let's have this conversation. It's no, it's having the conversation with the older students to say, look, I don't care if y'all want to do this or not. I need your help. I need you to model what it looks like to have interesting conversations. But then as for me as a teacher, I am now charged with the task of coming up with interesting conversations. What's something I can put out there that's going to catch the attention of some of my older students? Because the seniors are going to hold it down. But if you have juniors, they're going to want to be like the seniors. The sophomores are just kind of like, oh, we're not little kids anymore, and but we're still kind of dorky. So like, how should we handle this? And then it's going to make them kind of raise the bar a little bit. And then your freshmen are still going to act like dorks. But now it's going to be so obvious that you're a dork that it makes you kind of like look around when everyone else is like, oh, oh we're not all, y'all just fart out loud in class. That's not, that's not normal. Okay. All right. Maybe I should check myself. So the seniors have to help you set the temperature, right? That's the thermostat for the class. It's also, I think, you know, depending on what kind of class it is, is if it's at the end of the day, can I get everyone to buy in? So if, I'd love to know like some of the issues, like what are some of the issues that are coming up as, as a result of this kind of merger? But some of the things I've seen is that seniors get work done faster. Seniors can oftentimes talk and get work done. Younger students have, I, by and large, have a much harder time with that. Um, seniors can handle downtime. Freshmen, get up, we're moving around, we're touching people, we're throwing things across the room. I didn't do it. It wasn't me. That wasn't me. Uh, what are you talking to me for? They did it. It's Whereas seniors, I go, bro, what? Can you stop? And they go, you know, my bad, Reynolds, my bad, right? It's there's just like a more of an ownership, more of a level of maturity. And so for me, it's, it is getting seniors to help you out with that. Can we... If we get work done, is there an incentive at the end of class? Like maybe we watch something, do something that's different, that feels like you're like kind of getting away with a little bit of stuff here. Like that's how I always pitch it, even though they're not getting away with anything. Is it's not like we just, I'm not going to just like watch a Marvel movie. We're going to watch like this video on something. And, but I have to make sure it's cool and not boring. So it's some of those sorts of things. But it's, I think, really having the conversation. And even having the conversation with the kids that you're seeing the issues with, right? So if you have seniors that are really lazy or you have freshmen that are really wild, it's like, and I don't even know if you're teaching high school, but um, it's having a little bit of that conversation too. But you know what I'm going to offer you? Um, if you, if I'm not hitting the nail on the head there, if you could send me a quick email with like any specific issue that you're having, um, I can just send you a voicemail back and let you know kind of what I would do to that. If, if what I'm saying right now is not kind of enough and I'm not hitting that target there. All right. Uh, we'll move on with uh, Hannah. Hannah. Next. Don't do it. Don't. Good eye, Hannah. Don't. How are you? Try, Hannah. Uh, okay. She's asking. She loves when I talk like I'm Australian. Yeah, because she thinks you're Australian she accent. She thinks it's awesome. Point. She always tells me it's so good. <laughs> I would have never known. Okay, she says, I'm back teaching and would love to know how you how you worked out what is an, what is essential in your teaching practices so I can stay focused and not get caught up being too busy. I think that's a great question. So I made a video last week about doing what is essential. And, you know, I was reading something recently and it turns out that when we say essentials, it's wrong. Right? There's only a, a, one essential. That is the thing. It's what is essential to your life. Not the essentials of life is not, you know, we're not talking about this. This isn't the bare necessities. So for me, it was really sitting with that and thinking about what is essential. Because And why do we have to figure that out? Because there's so many different things that you might be asked to do at a school. Things that you want to do at a school. And so really being mindful of what is essential because you can do anything. You just can't do everything. So what was my, what is my, um, I heard someone put it this way, but it's like, 
what's in like my zone of like what I'm the best at. And so for me, and this might sound silly because you're, if you're a teacher, but it was kids, right? So that's when I started coming up with this. I started thinking of this idea of like education's only ever about kids. All right. So what does that mean? What is my mission as an educator for me? And some of you might want to just look at your school's mission statement too, to see if maybe you can pull something from that. But it was this idea of, I want to help kids recognize their own greatness and help them to live a life that they dream of living. Because I believe, you know, in, with regards to my faith that like your wants don't just come from anywhere. Your desires don't just come from anywhere. And that those are, those are God given. And so if I have a kid that wants to do, has a dream of doing something, it is my job to offer the ability to, to help you grow into that, to the person that you need to be to do that good work you've been asked to do. So with that being said, then, then it, it's taking another step back and saying, well, what would actually help you get there? What in my subject matter, while you're in my 50 minute class, can I do? And then it was really starting to identify that. And some of that is like, you know, here in the U.S., it's looking at something maybe like core curriculum standards and figuring out like, all right, here's the things I have to teach, but what, what matters here that I want to make? Like, I have to hit all these points, but what really matters? So it's, that's looking at your students. It's looking at the communities that your students come from. It's looking at lack in, in that you've seen in like testing that you see in class, in person when talking to someone. So some of the things I wanted to really make sure and not, and this isn't like a diss, I'm not saying like I didn't see this in any of my kids, but it was, I want my students to know their story. I want them to get used to telling their story, to feeling empowered by their story, to having a clear vision of where they want to go in life and then what is actually important. So are we just reading a book? No, we're not reading a book, a, a book. But we're learning to do hard things. We're learning to recognize language. We're learning to use language. We're learning how to communicate. We're learning how to listen actively. We're learning how to uh, speak back to people when we when we uh, when they speak. How to have good, healthy dissertation how, or, or or discussion in class. And so it's it became like this slow step, like the step by step process of noting. Oh, I want to add this one. I want to add this one. It wasn't all encompassing. I sat down one night. I figured it all out. It's been slow moving. So why does vocab matter? And then really looking at that and figuring out how can I make this actually matter? How can I make reading matter, writing matter, having conversations matter, having everything from a good handshake to being polite in class and learning how to ask, but learning how to also advocate for yourself. It's all this stuff that you end up figuring out that it's important and that how am I going to reinforce this importance and teach kids about this in class? It can sound very, very, very overwhelming. It is not. It is, and here's why. Because you introduce each thing, like as you as it comes to you, right? You figure out, you're just sitting there and thinking about this. This is, you know, Hannah, this is part of the reason I think that's so important for not just teachers, but for everyone, they just have free time to think, which is why busying yourself with all the stuff that schools ask you to do is just not healthy because you don't have time to dream, to think, to wonder, to, to brainstorm about something. That teaching is so much about creativity, but you have to have time to be creative. You have to work that muscle out. So it's figuring out some of that stuff too. So I know you love doing, you have all kinds of other like, extracurricular activities, but allowing yourself to do them to reset and then to give yourself time to wonder and then starting to implement some of those things. Cause again, I don't think those ideas come from nowhere. I think that they are, that they really like, you know, they come from somewhere, but you got to give that somewhere time to, to speak, to have quiet, to listen to it. Yeah, she noted in another comment, she said, uh, I'm scared I'm going to get caught up in saying yes to too much stuff at school. Just say no. So here's how you do it. <laughs> here's how you say no. You um, tell them, I'll, you know, that's a great question. I'm honored that you would ask me. I need to get back to you tomorrow because I'm in the middle of something. Or um, let me, I'll, t I'll meet with you tomorrow morning. Or I'll talk to you by Friday. Give a date of when you'll do it. 
And I have another video on this, like three ways to get your time back, I think, or boundaries or one of those two, where I talk about a whole bunch of ways how to say no and how to not just leave them hanging, but like sometimes solve the problem for people. Because I'd rather put that time into helping someone solve the problem than spending the next six weeks coaching field hockey when I don't even know anything about it. I always thought that was so helpful because in the moment I just go, I'm such a pleaser. I'm like, Oh sure. Yeah. And then when I have a minute to sit with it and think about it, I'm like, Oh, you know, I'm really booked or I double booked or I can't fit that in. How am I going to do that? And it causes way more like stress, but it's so funny. Go ahead. Well, that's new. I used to say yes all the time. You're really good at telling me to say no all the time. Yeah. Cause I learned that. I don't mean that sarcastically. Like it's like, you're like, don't just say yes to that. We're not doing like brand deals, all kinds of stuff. You're like, no, tell them no, we're not gonna, we don't have time for that. And I'm like, yeah, come on, man, we can No, it, I know. I, I used to be like that, but some of that came with because you told me you were like, don't say yes like right away. Think about it. Or you said, uh, tell them like I've got to act like I'm just gonna check in with our schedule with with you, with my husband or yeah. whatever. Um, and some it just delayed it enough for me to go, Oh yeah, I can't do that. Now I could do that like more <clears> on the spot, like yeah. I don't have to have that time to think about it. I like know how to balance my schedule a bit better. So I think that that's why I can say it on the spot now, but I like that yes. little trick. Let, I'm going to tell you this. Some of you might be asking, what does yes get? Saying yes to everything allows you, for those of you in the U S I don't know if they have this restaurant other places. It allows you to become the cheesecake factory of teaching. Cheesecake Factory is all right. I mean, they're successful. People go there. It's all right. It's pretty good. Um, it's not awesome at anything. They're pretty good at everything that's on their menu. I just want to say they're awesome not, at cheesecake. They're awesome at cheesecake. Maybe they should have just left it there. But, um, <laughs> I love cheesecake. Right? So, like, probably when they were good at cheesecake, it was like, we got this dialed in. Yeah. Let's start making grilled cheese, lobster, and steak also and yeah. fajitas. But if you ever go to somewhere like, you know, and Five Guys is usually my example. But Five Guys is great. At making the three things that are basically on their menu. Yeah. It's like they make a hamburger, they make fries, and I think they make hot dogs. I don't really remember. I never had a hot dog in five guys, but um, <laughs> that was that fifth guy. He was weird. He was like, let's have hot dogs. Yeah. Come on. And they're hot like, dogs oh, and right. he doesn't get like... any decisions. Let him go. You can make a hot dog. Uh, okay. Uh... Blake is up next asking, I got a student who habitually destroys things like ripping apart a whiteboard eraser, tearing apart his binder, or breaking pens. Any suggestions of how to channel this kind of energy? So, Blake, I I would first um, contact home. And not in an accusatory way, but in a, like, hey, this is what I'm seeing, and I'm just curious if there if this is something you see at home this is something you've seen before and what are best practices to to help your student um still be successful in class it's also noting in that email because it has to be emailed don't make it a phone call uh because emails are documentation and it allows parents to sit with something allows them to read it to their child if they choose to so it's like right there and it doesn't get lost it's like doesn't get lost in the sauce other thing is identifying why this is a problem. So sometimes these are no dull reasons. I once had a kid pull us, some child pulled a saw out in my class and started sawing the desk. You remember this during testing? Yes, my man bust out a saw and I'm like, where do you like a big the, saw? Like a like a like a saw, like this big, like a right. crosscut saw. <laughs> um and started sawing the desk. I didn't know what to do. I was just like, yo, we got to call somebody because I'm pretty sure you can't have a saw in class. I don't, like, did you come from woodshop? Um, we didn't have woodshop. So I had to, like, contact home, but it's like, sometimes parents are just like, all right, I'll talk to them about it. And it's like, well, here's the bigger issue. Aside from, like, as if destroying my property wasn't enough, it's they're not doing the work. Like these are the things you're doing to not do the work. And you can uncover a lot of stuff in, in just that email because you might find out stuff that like that kids go, go through that might just be extra energy. Like they might not just have like ADHD, but someone might have passed away. Maybe they're dealing with something at school. 
I'd also contact your school like counselor or social worker and let them know like these are things that might be a uh, not a symptom, but like something else is happening with or to that child outside the classroom, and now they're exhibiting that behavior in school because this is their only way that they can figure out how to get that out by breaking stuff, by destroying stuff, because something else is going on. I've had a lot of students that have, um, gosh, I hate that I have a lot of students, but like I've had too many students that were dealing with really difficult things outside of school that were coming in and then doing like exhibiting these behaviors. I'm not saying that's what's happening, but it's, it's worth letting someone know. Um, and then the other thing is talk to you. Like, I don't know how your school is structured, but our ninth grade team, uh, I just, I, I build community wherever I go. And not to say that they weren't already trying to build community. I'm not saying that, but it was like, how do I proactively go and talk to other teachers and say, Hey, listen, this is something I'm seeing this student do this in class. Are you seeing this at all? And seeing what other people say. Maybe yours is the only class. Maybe it is happening other places. And they're going, they go, oh my gosh. Yeah, they're doing that in my class too. Um, now, I'll tell you what, Blake. Uh, nobody, when I said, hey, is uh, so-and-so busting out Saul in your class? Not one other person said, yeah, you know, I was wondering where that woodworking was ha- if it was happening in other people's rooms also. It wasn't. It was only my class. So, But it's starting to build that connection with people. But the way I, I really have to even try and be mindful of doing that is I'm noticing a problem and I want to help. Not a, can you believe this kid? Can you believe? And I'm not putting that on you saying you're like that, but it's, but if we're not super mindful of how we even go and ask other people, it can go right to that with some teachers and you just want to stay away from that because it's not, because it's just reactive. It's not proactive. You're not looking to go to, to help someone in that scenario you're just looking to blame somebody in that scenario so i think building the team then that's going to allow you to know all right who actually wants to be on this team so that we can help and then maybe formulating a meeting if it's really that if it gets to the point it's like can we have a meeting call in a parent or guardian and we're going to sit all the teachers together uh for a short meeting after school and say hey here this is what's going on we want to really be helpful we want to really help your child succeed on the highest possible level and have them live the life of their dreams. But this is what's happening in class right now, and we need to get to the bottom of this because if we're looking at something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like learning isn't even like, what? No, I'm too busy over here breaking stuff. I'm not interested in, in learning. But that might also be because of any other number of factors. So that's where I would go with that particular question. Thanks. That's a good question. Thank you. Uh, let me ask, so how do you handle that on the, in the day-to-day in the classroom? Like, is there, like, that seems like a wide answer for, like, how to support I, and find out what's going on, like, on a question. deeper level. But, like, what about a practicality for, the, for you know, Mr. Blake here who's I think pulling it's, out his hair because all his erasers and pens are getting ruined and wrecked? Talking to the kid about it and asking, what's, like, this is what's happening in my class. It can't happen, right? This is not even like a, it's okay if you were having a bad day and you yeah. ruined my eraser. Uh, no. Like damaging people's property is damaging so people's property. So what can we do to help you to do better? Is there a need that's not being met? Do you need some kind of attention? Do you need to change your seat? Like really offering up like, what do I need to do to make this the best possible experience for you? And when we do that for young people, I think it gives them agency. It gives them ownership over the class and allows them to have a voice to be able to tell you what they need and then seeing if we can meet some of those needs. Um, And then letting them know that under no circumstances is this all right. If you need a fidget, I can, I can figure that out, Mm, but we're not breaking stuff. If you need me to have like figure out a stand up desk for you in the back so you can move around a bit. Great. We're not breaking stuff. We're not hurting people. Silly We're not hurting putty ourselves. Could be, silly putty yeah. could be a good solution. Yeah. So it, it's a lot of those things. Yeah. Silly putty, pipe cleaners, Velcro under the desk. Um, I would imagine know. if we're breaking and trying to like silly putty would be a good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like stretching and pulling it and, and a little so, pressure and help. Um, they have all kinds of those squeezy, dumb, weird oh, things yeah, that they have true. at five below too. I had like an eggplant or a hot dog or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so it's, those are good too, but it's like, like, it's also, you're showing that kid that you're trying for them and you're letting them know, like when you give it to them, I need you to see that I'm really trying to help you here. Um, and, but then holding them accountable and calling someone else in if you need to, sending a kid out if they're being destructive in class. I was going to say, do you, is there a repercussion <clears throat> for that sort of behavior? Yeah, but it's it's never getting mad. Because with that, with a student that's exhibiting those sorts of behaviors, I've seen that if I meet them with anger, I can meet them with tough, with no nonsense, with consistency, with I'm going to look you dead in your eye and yeah. let you know, this is not okay. Stop what you are doing. But I'm not like, again? I told you before, we're not doing it. It's like, not, buy me new pins. that right. <laughs> just got you, that lit something up in them that they might have even wanted. And I need you to know that it's not okay. All right. Uh, Mariana is up next asking, how to deal with sucking as a first year teacher and maintaining mental health? So, man, Mariana, this is a great question. Uh, it's, hmm. I mean, some of what I'm going to say, I've said any number of times. You may have even seen other videos if you've been on our channel at all. But, you know, most things suck. I won't even say most things suck when you started them. Because most things feel great when you start. You, I think when we start teaching and we have a practicum, or we have student teaching, and even if that stuff goes really well, it can fill us with this sort of false sense of confidence. And when we get in our own classroom, and it's all up to us, and it doesn't go as planned, it doesn't go as you've dreamed, it doesn't go the way you wanted it to go, and then that turns into doubting yourself, feeling a crap every day, loathing going into school the following day, loathing that class that's coming in. Um, and then that can turn to any kind of number of negative behaviors, whether you're, you know, drinking too much or smoking too much weed or whatever you're doing to self-medicate, uh, eating too much. Like it's, it's really, some of this is going to become about your pedagogy. And so let's speak to that first. I think the best thing you can do is find, even though you want the class to just be better, you just want the whole class to be better. How can I make one thing better? How can I, get, how can I lock in my first five minutes of class? How can I build the relationships? And I'll tell you what, here's the problem with relationships. This is why relationships are a pain and a lot of people don't want to do it. It's a long play. It's not a, it's not a like, oh, I build a relationship. It's easy. You got 30 kids in the class, 120 students a year. It's 120 relationships. You got to forge no time. I'll have this under control. It's, it's playing that long game. It's knowing that I can get better at singular things. It's knowing that it's practicing things and learning how to try stuff. And then having the courage to keep trying, even if it's failing. Because I'll tell you what, here, this is so crazy. Like, I wish I thought of this when I was younger. I got so good at figuring out what didn't work that I stopped. There were times and with certain classes that I just stopped trying. Um, but what I didn't realize was that if you just keep trying, something's going to work. At some point, you're going to figure something out that worked. And so keep trying and because it can only, it can't get worse than it is now, right? Like I've gotten to moments where I'm like, this class literally could not get worse unless someone set it on fire. And so, so that's some of it. That could look like, you know, and this, I'm not trying to self-promote here, but like, cause you can go to anybody's stuff that if someone else is putting on something, it's going to conferences, it's going to workshops, it's getting mentoring. It's like, some of that can happen in your school. Some of that might happen somewhere else. So I'll tell you, and, and not that like I don't get paid if you buy a ticket or anything, but um, Get Your Teach On is one of the best, if not the best educational conference I've ever been to. Um, and I would tell you that even if I, I'll say this, even if I did, because I'm not above this, even if I didn't like, I think Hope and Wait are awesome, actually. 
if I didn't like them, but I thought you would get value from that, I'd tell you to go anyway. Um, I think it's looking for the YouTube channels. It's listening for the exact things that people are telling you to do and then trying them. Um, but like I said, working, showing up for the workshops, getting the mentoring, it's going and getting the help that you need. And really, like, if you're courageous enough to ask here, it's, it's, it is worth your time, energy, and, and money to do that. The other thing is building up who you are, right? So there's the pedagogy and there's the person. And who do you need to become to do the work you have been called to do? So maybe that hasn't kept, maybe you know how to do the teaching part, but it's you need to grow into that person that can do this. And I saw that when I started teaching. There was a teacher down the hall, Mr. McDougal at Camden Academy Charter School in, in Camden, New Jersey. My man's still there. He was awesome, like a wizard in the classroom. And I wanted to be that. But what I didn't realize back then, I thought it was just how, how he was teaching. I didn't realize it was who he was that was such a big factor there. And any number of friends that I've had from, like, my friend showed, like, any number of people that I could r- ramble off, it wasn't just that they had great ideas in the classroom. It's that they were the person that could do that idea. They could pull that off. And so you can become that person, but just know that, like, maybe that's, therapy, maybe that's self-development, maybe that's changing, you know, like reading and learning more about who you are and how you operate and the person that you, that you are, that's going to help you get into that place too. Agreed. You have to build your shoulders to be able to carry all that stuff. Oh, bars. <laughs> okay. We're going to take a few more. I know that we're just about to our hour point, but summer is up. And next. out here in New Mexico, you know, every moment after an hour, is like another 15 minutes of upload time. So it's crazy. Uh, Okay, Summer's up next asking, how do you deal with the overwhelm of students in bed situations? I have a high homeless bed situation population. I want to be supportive and there, but the resources aren't there and I'm drained. Um, So Summer, I learned a term several years ago that I never knew even existed. And this guy came in, it was one of like two... Might have been th- there might have been three professional developments I ever sat through that were worth anything. Um, most of them are just garbage. But this, a guy came in and talked about secondary trauma. And it hit me like a ton of bricks, man. This idea that when we are dealing with folks that are constantly dealing with stuff, right? So if you work in a hospice, if you work as in, you're an oncologist, you uh, are really, you're a social worker. This stuff gets on us and we need to be able to show up and do the work all the time. Um, It's another moment of learning to grow into the person that can do that. And knowing that people do like now, Some of that is knowing that where people are, this is for me, knowing that where kids are is not where kids will end up. And that if I'm just being scared of this is going to become your whole life, I'm not giving, I'm not, I'm not holding on any hope for those kids at all. It's also realizing that we, you know, some kids are forced to grow up faster than others. Some kids have to deal with bearing weight that other students don't have to bear with. And instead of feeling bad for them, it's helping them to navigate that by sitting there and listening and caring. Uh, Not always feeling like we have to give them the right advice because sometimes your attention is more important than your advice. Um, But it's helping kids to see how that helps them to grow up to be more powerful, stronger even. Like, like I lost my dad when I was four. I lost my mom just after my 22nd birthday. And I didn't realize that 
that would play a part. Now I've never been happy that that time. I never became a, the person I am now. And I'm like, man, if my parents had, cause really if my parents hadn't died it when I was so young, I don't know what my life would have been. There's a very good chance I wouldn't be sitting here. I wouldn't be living the life that I'm living now, which I love. Like I love it. But I only became this because of that. And so I'm not happy it happened, but I had to look for the opportunity in it. That one day, those students are going to go, they're going to meet someone that's going through something that only they are they uniquely can speak to. And so I heard this, uh, our pastor was talking about this today when he was talking about um, for Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, the only, like, if you haven't ever had cancer and been through that ordeal, it's really hard for someone to go get advice or help or even a listening ear from someone if they're talking to someone's never had it. I know that working with kids who've lost a parent, I am uniquely qualified to do that on, on some level because I've been through it and I made it through it, right? Like it didn't crush me. And so I have something to give there. So it's teaching students that there's going to be, it's helping them to look for the opposite. Like it's looking for the lesson in this. It's looking for how am I going to grow? Um, and so I think that there's some in there too. So for you, it's like, talk to a counselor. Like one of the things I'm going to tell you what, man, like one of the things I've seen, and I've talked about this quite often, but it's really true is that teacher pay sucks, but a lot of times the, the benefits are pretty good and you can pay like little to, little to nothing for good therapy. And so take advantage of it. Take the time, give yourself the time and meet with someone, grow into that, to that person. Um, but know when that have those boundaries too. know when you have to go home on time, know when you have to like figure out those things that you have to do to, to build yourself back up. And, and take care of you because you can only, you know, you can only get what you have. And so making you a priority in your life. Feed um, those chickens on your farm. Yeah. Well, I think that brings her a lot of joy, right? Absolutely. So, she went out yeah. there in a hailstorm and <laughs> fed pigs or something <laughs> like that. Take care of her pigs. We see you on Facebook. Yeah, girl. Uh, okay. Uh, one more question because I feel bad. Uh, QBA is asking, how can I eliminate the anxiety of not being prepared enough for classes or should I always be perfectly prepared for each class? Can't be per per perfectly prepared because because first period might have been awesome and then third period you're like, wait, this, this just worked so great last period. Uh, I'm going to say this. I uh, forget the guy's name, but there was like a reverend that said, a prepared pastor is better than a prepared message. And that doesn't mean you don't prepare the message, right? You want to show up with the lesson as fully prepared as possible. But you got to be ready. It's you that I want you to think of um, somewhat, some band could write the greatest song in the world. But if they can't, if they're not at their best to perform it, right? It sucks. So I once saw this, and this is a horrible example, but um, I was watching this documentary about Whitney Houston, and she was singing that I Will Always Love You song. This is like after her prime. I think she was in Australia, actually. And uh, she tried to hit that high note in that song. If you don't listen, if you don't, if, you're ta if I'm talking about stuff you don't even know about, you need to go listen to the song anyway. It's like one of the greatest songs ever recorded. And she, she didn't hit the note, and her voice failed her. And it was horrifically um, embarrassing. For, like it, it was like the beginning of the end for her. Is what the doc made it feel like. Um, when I feel great and I have a good lesson, not even a great lesson, a good lesson, like it's solid, hit all my markers, man, it doesn't even matter. This, we're having a great day because I feel great. I feel great. I have a lesson book out. Like there might, there might be spontaneous fire that just bursts out of nowhere out of my all the desks. Um, but it's you, if you have the greatest lesson in the world and you're not there, it's how do I get there, right? There's there's a theme here happening today, y'all. Is that when I feel great, 
I can do better work. That's why I need to be a priority. So knowing that no lesson's ever going to be perfect, um, but it's constantly getting better, constantly showing up and trying to be at the best that I can be to be able to do the work that I'm called to do um, is how I would kind of look at that. Like, so, so putting the, like I made the lesson, put that to bed. Now, what do I need to do to make sure that I'm the best that I can be tomorrow? That's what I would look at. Cool. Yes, we can end there. Awesome. Sorry Dang. if we didn't get to your question. If you want, you can post it in um, our Facebook group. We have a great Facebook group with tons of, I'm trying to find the little thing, and I'm oh, not good at multitasking. You talk, and I'll do oh. this. Uh, yeah, there's a, a private Facebook group just for teachers that you can join, and you get a lot of really great responses uh, in there. So if you need some additional help, go in there and see what the community is saying, and maybe CJ will pop in and answer your question in there, too. Amen. So look, before you leave, could you please, please hit the like button. That's all I need to do. I'm, just, I'm asking nicely and strongly. Uh, it helps the algorithm. It helps us to get to more teachers. That's it. It doesn't mess up your computer. It doesn't mess up your algorithm at all. It just, it, if you like this free show, then just, you can hit subscribe. But if you hit that like button, it's just going to help you to get to more teachers. Because YouTube will go, oh, teachers like this? Well, what if these teachers like this? And we are just trying to bless people and help them to have a better day. Uh, tomorrow on Monday that maybe they had on Friday. So that's it, gang. We will uh, we'll see you next week. Um, we can get it. Can get it. I can. Peace.